0: Specific dates often hold significance because they are associated with memorable events or important moments in our lives. Happy occasions like birthdays, anniversaries are typically marked by dates that hold special meaning. On the other hand, dates can also serve as reminders of sad or somber events such as the anniversary of a loved one's passing or a tragic incident. The significance we attach to specific dates can vary depending on. On our personal experiences and the emotions associated with those events welcome to crime stories of pakistan in this episode we will explore the haunting case of rafiq sumro famously referred to as the lady killer this individual operated with chilling precision specifically targeting women and carrying out his atrocious acts exclusively on the 9th of every month join me as I delve into the unsettling particulars surrounding the serial killer's reign of terror. Rafiq Sumra was born in Sakkar. Sakkar is a city in the Pakistani province of Sindh along the western bank of the Indus River. It is the third largest city in Sindh after Karachi and Hyderabad. There are not many personal details shared about Rafiq. And this is just one of the major problems when researching cases like these is because police files are not shared publicly. So everything that I gather is from articles, newspapers, interviews. So we know that Rafiq Sumro was born in Sucker. His father had a grain business back in Sakhar. His mother, who he respects a lot, he said it in his own words, was probably a housewife. He has four sisters. He is married and has eight children. Out of the eight children, three of them are daughters. But in 2012, he left his family in Sakhar and came to Karachi. Karachi is one of the largest cities in Pakistan with a total population of over 18.61 million as stated in May 2023. Usually people from smaller cities and villages, they come to Karachi, Islamabad, Lahore for better opportunities. Their families usually stay in their hometown and the men of the household wander off into bigger cities with big homes hopes of providing a heavier income to their families back home. So one would think that Rafiq moved to Karachi for the same reason, right? No. Actually, this disgusting, filthy, horrific man fled from Sakkar and came to Karachi because he had trigger warning, raped and killed a six-year-old girl in Sakkar. Her name was Farida. For the fear of being caught, Hmm. he vanished after committing the crime and came to Karachi to start fresh. It's despicable to think that he has a wife and three daughters who I have no information about. But I think it's safe to say that the victim's age could have fit somewhere between the same or maybe even close to the age of one of his daughters. And let's just say, you know, she wasn't close to his daughter's age any of his daughters. H. Not even for a second did he think about his three daughters. I mean, how did he not think about that? He just rapes and kills this young girl and doesn't think about the fact that karma could hit him? This guy has no such conscience and he gives zero thought to the crime and instead just runs. Later on in this episode, I will mention the interview he had with a media agency and this this interview really boiled my blood Because he was so unpushed His attitude was so He kept saying he was remorseful But you could tell he wasn't But I'm getting ahead of the story So it's 2012 He's in Karachi He's looking for a job Obviously he has no education No experience So he decides Why not rent an auto rickshaw An auto rickshaw or a tuk-tuk Is a popular, popular form of transport In South Asia It is a motorized three-way Wheeled public conveyance, typically having two passenger-hooded cab mounted behind the driver. And just side note, the masses that don't own cars, that cannot afford Uber or Kareem or taxis, they usually take auto rickshaws and public buses. This is very, very common to use them when you want to cover short distances. So in the month of March, ten. And 11th of 2012, to be exact, blue plastic bags were found in different parts of Karachi. Upon investigation, it was found that the bags had, trigger warning, finally cut parts of a body. Later, the police confirmed that a female's body parts were found from Soldier Bazaar, Jamshed Quarters, Guru Mandir, M.A. Road, and Mazari Kait. And just a side note, these are very busy and populated places in Karachi. In fact, Mazar-e-Kaid is also known as the final resting place of Muhammad Ali Jinnah. He's the founder of Pakistan. So it's a highly visited and tourist spot in Karachi. I mean, Kaidi Azam must be, like, turning in his grave. Okay. In the month of April 10th and 11th, again, blue plastic bags were found in the same parts of Karachi where the first victim's body parts were found. The police investigation undergoes searching through honor killing and missing person cases to see if the body can be identified, but nothing was found. Eventually, they got a lead in the case when the first victim's body was identified. And they went to NADRA, which is the National Database and Registration Authority. It has all the citizens of Pakistan are supposed to register through NADRA. And they were able to find details about the victim, the first victim. She was a 39-year-old called Nasreen, a resident of Kaidabad and a mother of five. It was from her Nadra details, the police found her SIM card details. And this is important because when the police went through the phone records and called law, they found that someone was still using Nasreen's SIM card. Which was strange because Nasreen was dead. So obviously, the police is like, okay, maybe the killer sold the phone to somebody with the SIM still in the phone. Instantly, they kept a tab on the usage and the whereabouts of the phone. And then on March 26th, the phone activity completely stopped. But luckily, by that time, the police had already tracked the phone usage details. They had found Rafiq's number and they tracked the area where he used to pick up passengers and when they went there they found another rickshaw driver who confessed that it wasn't him who they were looking for it was a guy called Rafiq Sumro. It took the police a while but Abdul Salam who is from Sindh police of Jamshed town, he stated that they finally arrested Rafiq Sumro during a raid of his accommodation in Darban Bazaar in Patel Para, and decided Since Rafiq fled from Sakkar and came to Karachi, he had only been in Karachi for six months when he was arrested. I really think that it's important to add in extra details just to give you guys, my listeners, a feel of who this killer is. And it just helps tie up any loose ends. So I will be quoting the interview in some parts and summarizing the interview that I found of Rafiq Sumro. The interviewer, who is a female, says, What got you into committing these crimes? Rafiq Sumro?" it wasn't me madam the issue was there was my friend he has betrayed me interviewer your friend asked you to commit these crimes how how did you kidnap the victims rafiq sumro my friend knew of the victims and he would bring them to our home then i would leave because my friend asked me to when i would return home the victim he bought home would be dead interviewer how did he kill them rafiq he had already killed the victim before I returned home, so I don't know. And just side note, if you see the interview, he's acting completely clueless. It's just like, I just don't know. The interviewer, she presses Rafiq to tell her how the victims were killed. It really goes on for a while. And then he finally says, my friend strangled the victim to death. Interviewer, what is the name of your friend? Rafiq. His name was Papu, also known as Iqbal. Interviewer, who was the victim? Rafiq. It was Papu's friend from his village in Faisalabad. Interviewer, how did you become how did you become friends with Papu? Rafiq. We both work as drivers of auto rickshaws. I met him through my work. Interviewer, what did you do when you saw the victim lying there in your home, dead? Rafiq. In order to save him and ourselves, we cut the body in pieces interviewer. How did you cut the victims into pieces? Rafik? with a knife that was bought by Papu. She goes on to ask him, this crime, it took place in your house. So who lives with you? And we already know that he's married. We know that he has eight kids. He already had stated this in the interview. And he said nobody. And she asked him, don't you feel remorse? What if like one of your daughters was in this situation? Does your heart not bleed? How could you commit such crimes? Rafik says that he's very, very remorseful, he's made a mistake But his friend betrayed him. So then the interviewer goes on to say, have you never done something like this to a woman? Rafiq keeps saying, I made a mistake. Everyone makes mistakes. I helped him get rid of the body. I made a mistake. The interviewer, she snaps back immediately saying, this is not your first time. And then she turns to the camera and she tells the audience that Rafiq is claiming it's one woman, but he has killed multiple women in the same manner. This is not his first victim. And she keeps pressing him. asking him how did you cut the body with a knife how did you cut through the bones i just like need to take a pause here you know when i was going to this interview it was very heavy and his reaction like it just it just puts you in a sense of is there really no remorse is there really no guilt do you really have no fear So I can understand the disgust, the frustration that the interviewer was facing because Rafiq was just blatantly denying his involvement in these crimes. But a lot of the times during the interview, she spoke over him or she really pestered him into admitting his crimes and it didn't really give him a chance to retaliate. So it just made it harder to analyze and witness his response. So Rafiq, he reinstates that he used the knife to cut through the muscles and the bones of the victim. So the interviewer says, you had such a big knife at home? And Rafiq says, no, I bought it from outside. So again, do you notice how his story is changing? He initially said he's not the one who bought the knife. It was his friend who bought it from outside. And then he said that he went and bought a knife big enough to cut through flesh and bones so the interviewer she says did you not feel any pain or remorse while cutting the victim's body and Rafiq says I was I, I was in pain the devil but then the interviewer cuts him off and again reminds him that you have daughters how could you do this Um, you know, she keeps saying will you do this to all women who exactly do you target she even speculates did you see this at home did your father beat your mother up you're getting angry At me, I know you're getting angry at me. Do you want to like choke me the same way? Do you want to cut me into pieces? It was just a lot to watch. I didn't add it all. But she's clearly trying to get some sort of genuine response. Because if I, through the screen, can tell that his remorse is a complete facade, I can't even imagine how she would be feeling sitting next to him doing this interview and having that sort of attitude and energy around her. Like, So she goes on to ask the interviewer, "'How did you cut the victim's body with a knife? You must have used something stronger to cut the bones.'" But Rafik reinstates that he just used a knife and for the bones, he pressed it down with wood as well. So she goes on to ask him, what did you do with the chopped pieces? He tells her that he threw them in different parts of the streets on the roads and then she catches him and she's like, why are you speaking to me like you're innocent? Why have you got this facade of I'm innocent and you're going around killing people and w- what is with this attitude that you have? And she just keeps saying, will you kill me? Will you chop me into pieces? How many pieces will you chop me in? She's really, really adamant to know his side, which clearly there's so much more that he obviously knows but does not want to say but she's really like kudos to this interviewer who (laughs) really tried to get under his skin so after being really really adamant she keeps asking him how many pieces did you chop them in how many pieces did you chop them in and he finally confesses that the body was chopped into four to five pieces And just his behavior, he's just pretending to be an angel, he's he's pretending that, you know, it, it was a mistake, this mistake is... He kept referring to, you know, God will forgive me, I made a mistake, God will forgive me, it's just sick. It's really disgusting to see his reaction. And I'm going to upload the interview. And even if you can't understand the language, you should still watch just his body language, the tone of his voice. And you will see that the interviewer is very aggressive with him. And he remains very, very calm and very matter-of-fact. So do check out the interview. So the interviewer, she goes on pressing that this isn't your first victim. Rafiq tells her that ask anyone in my village, Ask my wife, ask my relatives, ask people who know me. I am not this person. I do not know what got into me. I swear to God, I strayed this one time, but I have not committed any more crimes. He says, ask my wife. She'll be shocked upon discovering this. I'm just not this person. What have I done? What have I done? I made a mistake. The interviewer then asks him about another victim who picked up, who he picked up as a passenger from town. He corrects her and he says, no, 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 I picked her from Hashmani Hospital in Sadar. So the interviewer says, she sat in your auto rickshaw? Rafiq says, yes, madam, she was of questionable character. Uh, Just side note, the second victim was a prostitute. And in fact, it has not been confirmed. But there's speculation that the first victim was a prostitute as well. So the interviewer says, how do you know that she was of questionable character? Rafik says, she had met me before in Newtown. That's where she lives. She defrauded me. So when I saw her again and she approached me for a ride, my mind started spinning. He went on to say that one thing that really makes him angry is people who lie. Okay, Rafiq, really? You've been lying for six months. You're lying throughout this interview. But that's one thing that makes you really angry. Okay. The interviewer says, what fraud did she commit? And Rafiq says, she took my phone and my money. So how much money? So around 100 to 1500 rupees, which is around three to five dollars. And then when she approached me, she apologized and she asked me to forgive her. She said, do whatever you please with me, but forgive me. The interviewer asked him how much did she charge for a night and he said no she doesn't charge per night but for two hours she charged me rupees 200 uh, rupees 2000 sorry which is around 6.97 dollars around seven dollars. Rafiq says, I took her home thinking that the money she took from me, I can balance it out by spending two hours with her. But when we got home, she didn't agree and I got furious. We started fighting and I knew that this commotion that was happening inside my house would cause alarm to my neighbors. So I had to shut her up. And so I took her to Batta, which is a scarf, and I strangled her to death. He told the interviewer that he held her neck for three to four minutes. Three to four minutes. Between those three to four minutes, he had time to cool down. He had time to come back into the present, let go. He, he had time. He goes on to say that I raped her, washed her. And then I cut her into pieces with a knife. The next two days, I scattered the body parts in different parts of the city. When the interviewer reminds him that he also killed a six-year-old, raped and killed a six-year-old, he reverts back to the I didn't do it monologue. He goes on to say that she was from the same village and my brother, who is a drug addict, was in one of his drug states and he was the one who raped and killed her and then he fled. And when her family approached him... And wanted to know where the brother was and couldn't get a hold of him they took Rafiq instead so basically throughout this interview I don't know why I'm laughing but throughout this interview I'm just containing my anger throughout the interview he's gone from saying the first victim was his friend to I did have a part in it to oh yeah I did commit rape and strangulation and then cutting the body into pieces with the second victim and then the six-year-old was not me I just took you I'm such a good guy I took the blame for my brother it's like fuck you really fuck you and I just need to make a side note that this custom does happen in the villages, I'm not very well aware of it. But let's say if one villager of village A rapes or kills a villager from village B, then as punishment, village B will be handed over the relative of the offender of village A to balance the crime. And it is the elders of the village that decide who to send to keep the peace between the villages. And apparently, the police turn a blind eye towards it because this is something that's been happening for generations. And that's a whole other ordeal, which if you're interested, I can make a separate episode about. So let me know in the comments if you want to hear more about it. But as far as Rafiq's claim of taking the blame for his brother... I feel it's big shit honestly he has contradicted contradicted himself by denying and then confessing so many times within this interview that I can guarantee you this is another lie added to play on his I'm remorseful I'm actually a good guy bullshit act he even has the audacity to turn around and tell the interviewer that I'm your brother and she says no you are not my brother like don't you dare even think that way Anyway, so he goes on to say that the devil made him do it. At that time, I wasn't thinking that the Satan took over me. But now I'm really remorseful. I cannot believe I did what I did. Okay, so you can't believe you did what you did with a six-year-old, which is why you fled, sucker, and came to Karachi. Then you did what you did with the victim, the first victim. You didn't turn yourself in to the police because if you were so remorseful, so guilty, you would have done that, right? No, you didn't. In fact, you said, hmm, this woman has taken three to five dollars from me and my phone what's the best revenge oh yeah let me like rape strangle rape kill cut i know it's not in that order but yeah and then throw her body pieces all around her body parts all around it's just okay so the interviewer she asked him what's your plan like how long did you plan to do this <laughs> oh my god when i heard this i <laughs> And he's saying it with no thought. With Okay, he says that basically his rent was up and he was in the process of going back to his village. And if he hadn't been arrested, he was going to leave for the village in two days. Um, The way he got arrested comes up in the interview. And I've already mentioned that they raided his house because of the cell phone tracking. But he does say that in his previous accommodation, he was living alone. So it was very easy for him to commit the crimes that he did. But then his contract was up and he had to shift to another accommodation where he was sharing the place with six other people. He in such a calm and matter of fact way says he couldn't have done anything even if he wanted to because he was sharing the accommodation with six other people. So <laughs> he didn't stop because he was regretful or guilty. He stopped because he didn't have a place to commit his crimes. That is why he was planning to leave for his village and this fucking despicable horrid man must have been planning to continue his crimes in his village. Their open field. Abandoned houses, areas where nobody goes, free for his disposal. So I'm really, really glad that the police got him when they did. It was really quick that they got him. And they got him because of him, because he was still using the first victim's SIM card. Dr. Saeed Akhtar, a renowned psychiatrist associated with public psychiatric. Hospital in Karachi, said that anti-social personality disorder could be one of the conditions in which a person could commit murders in a specific manner and pattern, like targeting a particular section of society. Quote. But in most of these cases in Pakistan, such people commit crimes just for the thrill and pleasure. To satisfy their sadistic desires and have no remorse towards their acts. Rafiq Sumro was a disgusting, useless waste of space, waste of a man who would prey on his victims before committing his crimes. None of his victims were random. The two victims that we know of were known to Rafiq, they were picked from places near Mazari Kaid with the victims assuming that the rickshaw man they have come to know will drop them off to their destination unharmed. Allegedly, like I said, because both the victims were prostitutes, And we already know that Rafiq was not only their rickshaw driver, but also their client. This makes, it gives it a reason to why both the victims agreed to go to his house with him. So on the 9th, he would bring them home. And he, along with his friend Papu, would rape, strangle and chop their bodies into four to five pieces. They would then place the pieces in three blue plastic bags. And on the 10th and 11th, they would dispose of the bags in three different spots. Two women and one child, this is what we know. But how many more has he done this to? How many more whose body parts are still unfound? It really gives me a chill. Why the ninth though? The police claim that Rafiq suffers from psychosomatic disorder. He comes from a broken family, probably had issues with his mother or wife or some female relative, which is why he has this need to take revenge. I honestly do not agree with this. Because if it was about revenge, why would he just target prostitutes? Did he think it would have been easier to stay hidden because of their line of work? Because who would care about prostitutes missing? I think he suffers from fem- femicide. Is that how you use it? Suffers from femicide? Femicide is intentional killing with a gender-related motivation. It may be driven by stereotyped gender roles, discrimination towards women and girls, unequal power relations between women and men, or harmful social norms. Again, I'm speculating because I'm not a psychologist, have not worked with Rafiq. I'm only basing this on what I know, what I've researched, and what I've seen. In 2012, we do not know in which month exactly, but I'm assuming around May-June, Rafiq Sumro was sentenced. Life in prison. When I started this case, I was intrigued about why the 9th of the month. What happened on the 9th that led him to kill on that particular day? Even after this episode, with all the research, I still do not know why the 9th, maybe he was battling with an old wound where he felt helpless. And keeping that in view, he killed his victims on the 9th, allowing him a sense of control and power, allowing him to beat his fear. We still don't know why he chose the ninth? in fact in the interview he said it just so happened it was by chance it was a saturday but either way there's no excuse to the crimes that he committed and even though the ninth of the month is still unanswered it was still important to shed light on this case Rafiq Sumro the lady killer This case stands as a chilling reminder of the darkness that can lurk beneath seemingly ordinary individuals. His heinous crimes has left a lasting impact on not only the community, but most importantly, the family, the friends of his victims. This case, it serves as a somber reminder of the need for justice and the importance of ensuring the safety and protection of vulnerable individuals. The level of denial, the way he blames others throughout the interviews just goes to show his words and the true intent within him just does not match this man if you can even call him that has zero guilt or remorse for what he's done how can he though he doesn't even be honest about his crimes when he's caught The story of Rafiq Sumro will forever be etched in the collective memory of everyone who hears this and everyone who has researched and seen this case or heard about it. And I feel that it urges society to remain vigilant. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Crime Stories of Pakistan. Your comments and suggestions are greatly appreciated. So comment and leave suggestions and also leave a rating stay vigilant guys stay compassionate this is your host Chehan signing off see you in the next episode